0: go to the book of Mark and chapter 11 for where I believe God has an assignment for us tonight. It's pretty easy to find. If you've never been there before, just make your way to the New Testament section, and it's a second book right after Matthew. If that doesn't help you, then ask your neighbor for an assist. If your neighbor doesn't know, well, that's why we have a table of contents, thank goodness, so you can find your way there, it'll tell you the exact page. To find the book of Mark in. Jesus has came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey as the people are shouting Hosanna, laying down their coats and palm branches in the road as a celebration and a recognition of Jesus being the Messiah, the Christ. An event that we now celebrate and remember in the modern day as Palm Sunday. And after entering the city, Jesus goes into the temple and he has a look around. With it being late in the day, at that point, he didn't stay very long on this occasion. So he gathered his disciples, and they went out to a town on the outskirts of Bethlehem, or excuse me, Jerusalem, called Bethany, to most likely stay with Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And on the way there, something intriguing happens. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 12. It says, on the following day, when they Came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. My title for this message comes right out of the text tonight because it was so glaring to me as I read through it the other day. So we're going to think through for the next few moments the subject of nothing but leaves. As Jesus approaches this fig tree, the word tells us that he found nothing but leaves on the tree. And I'm excited to share this one with you tonight. I think God has some good stuff for us in this message tonight. So do me a favor. Tell somebody next to you, this message is going to be unbelievable. Hey. Hey, I'm a dad now, so I can use dad humor like that. I got a feeling it's going to be unbelievable. Jesus is on his way back to Jerusalem, and apparently on the journey back into the city, he gets a little hungry. So he sees this fig tree off in the distance, and he decides to go check it out, hoping that there's going to be some figs on it to satisfy his hunger. And once he gets over there, the tree's in full bloom, It's full of leaves. Matter of fact, nothing but leaves. It has no figs on it whatsoever. I almost called this message, That Figures. (laughs) It just keeps getting better, right? Some of you can't handle the second-hand embarrassment right now because of the awfulness of the jokes. But I really did. I almost called it That Figures because that would have been my luck, too. I would have had Jesus' kind of luck in that instance. Walk all the way over there only for there to be no figs, but... Jesus doesn't shrug his shoulders and walk away. He curses the tree, as a matter of fact, you know, because even Jesus got hangry from time to time. So he curses the fig tree, and it sets up a teachable opportunity for his disciples in that moment and for us now. And One thing I love about Jesus is that he is always on the lookout for opportunities to teach his people. And the reason why I love that is because it's a testimony to his daily awareness and activity in our lives. Aren't you thankful for a Savior who doesn't live at a distance, but who's daily active and interactive with our lives? And I want to show you tonight, doesn't exhaust all the lessons that Jesus teaches right here, but they are the main ones I believe he desires to teach us in this moment. So at this tree, we see a few things. The first thing we see is we see Jesus assessing appearance. So if you go back and look at verse 13 with me in Mark chapter 11, it says that Jesus, seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. It's interesting to me that in this instance, Jesus didn't use any of his divine power to know from a distance if the tree had any figs or not on it. And what's intriguing about that is, is because we have record of Jesus doing things from a distance all throughout Scripture. Jesus did and discerned things from a distance on multiple occasions. In one instance, he was sitting on the side of the mountain and he was praying and he looked out over the sea and he saw from a distance his disciples battling a storm out on the water. Another instance in the gospel, we have a woman come to Jesus who begs and pleads for the state of her demon-possessed daughter and he She begs Jesus to come and heal her daughter to go back to her so that he can do something about her condition. And Jesus tells the woman to go in peace. Because of her faith, her daughter has now been made well. So Jesus heals this woman's daughter from where he was at from a distance. We see the same kind of similar occurrence happen with a Roman centurion who was basically just a captain in the Roman army. He had a sick servant, and he came to Jesus, and he was begging and pleading to Jesus on behalf of his sick servant to come and heal him. And Jesus told him the same thing. Because of your faith, your servant is healed. So Jesus healed that man's servant from a distance. There's another occasion of the same thing. A Capernaum official with a sick son came and pleaded on behalf of his sick son to Jesus, saying, come and heal my son. He's in a bad way. He's in a bad condition. And I need you to come and do something for him. I need you to heal him if you can. And Jesus told him the same thing. Go, because of your faith, your son will be healed. From a distance, Jesus healed this man's son. So it's intriguing to me that when Jesus sees this fig tree in the distance, now all of a sudden he can't discern whether or not it has figs on it. He has to physically walk over there and inspect it for himself. It just seemed curious to me that Jesus would have to do that. If he could do all that with the healing, if he could do all those things from a distance, then why did he have to walk over to this tree to look it over? The reality is he didn't have to. If he and his divine nature wanted to know whether or not there were figs on that tree, he could have very easily done so. But remember, it's a teachable moment. And in this instance, I think what he was wanting to show his disciples, and it's exactly what he wants to show you tonight, is the fact that he wants you to know that he doesn't look at or take into account your life from a distance. Jesus is up close and personal. When it comes to assessing the lives of his creation, he needs an in-depth look. He wants you to know that he is intimate. He wants you to know that he is relatable. He wants you to know that he is personal. Jesus doesn't look at or take into account your life from a distance without ever having any up-close and personal interaction with it. That's not the kind of Savior that he is. From a distance, this tree had the appearance of having everything it needed to be fruit-bearing. But a closer look, a deeper assessment, revealed that things weren't really as they appeared after all. Yes, it looked healthy. Yes, it was full of green leaves, but it was not fulfilling its purpose. And so I've got a couple of things here for you concerning appearance. And I, I think this is one of, if not the best part of the message tonight. So I kind of put it at the front where I can keep your attention nice and hot and warm because I want you to get this part. So a couple of things in specific about appearance. And the first is this. Appearance can be artificial. One more time for you note takers because this isn't on the screens. Appearance. Can be artificial. Jesus saw in this tree a picture of who the, people, who, who the people of Israel were to be. They were supposed to bear fruit with their lives. They were supposed to be the ones who gave a testimony of living for God and His glory amongst all the other people around them. And even though they had worship listen, they had worship. These people had worship. The nation of Israel had worship. Even though they had that, even though they taught and memorized scripture. Even though they prayed, even though they gave of their money and their time and their energy and their resources, even though they professed to be living for God, for them, it was all artificial because they didn't have a true relationship with God. As a matter of fact, they were busy rejecting God in the flesh time and time again. So even though they had all the things, even though they had the appearance, everything about them was fake, Everything about them was artificial because they lacked a true relationship with the only one who could save their souls. And listen, you can be sitting here tonight doing the same exact thing. You can be singing. You can be praying. You can come in here having had your quiet time, your daily Devo, your first five. You can have your Bible underneath your arm. You can participate in everything that we're doing. You can go on the mission trips. You can give of your time, your money, your effort, your energy, your resources. You can give the appearance, but... So often people do that without a relationship. And if that's the case, listen, it's artificial. An assessment of your life would reveal a lot of leaves, but no fruit. When it comes down to it, there's no real, true life change that has ever taken shape or place in your life. Listen to me, you can't have an encounter with Jesus and not leave completely changed in some way, form, or fashion. Appearance can be artificial. And I won't say that to discourage you tonight. And it would be discouraging if that was the end of the story. If there was nothing else that could be done about it. But the reality is, that's the good news of the gospel. Because the gospel lets us know that even though we may feel like we have it together, even though we may jump in through all the hoops, even though we put on the appearance and it may be artificial, Jesus says it can become real just that quick. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus gave his life for our sins so that we could be washed clean, so that we could be renewed and restored in him. That's what it means to move from artificial to real. Bowing your knee before him, confessing that I'm a sinner in need of a savior, inviting Jesus to come in and radically change my heart and my life and committing to live from this day forward unto his glory and for the expansion of his kingdom. Listen, you don't have to remain an artificial tree in this place tonight. Jesus died on the cross so you can have a real, living, personal, intimate, life-changing relationship with him. That's good news. That's told you, I'm not going to leave you on a discouraging note like that. Jesus didn't use this as an example so you could walk out of here thinking, well, I guess there's nothing that can be done. Maybe I'll just keep on faking in hopes that one day that will be good enough. It's never going to be good enough. Jesus, in his love and his grace and his mercy, made a way for you to move from artificial to authentic. There's another thing about appearance. And I'm going to move this one over to you saints in the room that have already made a profession of faith and you have a relationship with Jesus, and that's the truth, that appearance can be adjusted. Appearance can be adjusted. People nowadays are obsessed with their appearance. Have you noticed? Especially in a day and age of social media. Agreed? People are obsessed with appearance. I find a stat today somewhat alarming to me, maybe not so to you, but it was to me. It's that the average amount of time an individual spends on editing a picture before they put it on Instagram is 10 to 20 minutes. That's the average amount of time. Like 10 to 20 minutes. Could you imagine if I sat this mic down right now and we started a timer for 20 minutes and just sat here? How awkward that would get a couple of minutes in. 20 minutes doesn't seem that long until you sit there and you do nothing. 10 to 20 minutes is the average amount of time that people spend editing a picture before they will put it on their Instagram. And listen, here's the deal. We don't post based on experience. We post based on acceptance. I would guarantee, if I were to ask a rhetorical question, because I don't want you to have to answer it, I wonder just how many posts that you haven't submitted because you knew it wouldn't get a certain number of likes. Now tell me we're not obsessed with appearance. I can assure you some of you in this room tonight have withheld a post because you thought it wouldn't get an X number of likes. We don't post based on experience. We post based on acceptance, whatever we think is going to get the most hits, whatever we think is going to get the most likes, the most shares, the most retweets, whatever it may be. The stats got worse, by the way, the more I got to digging into them because I found out that around 70% of young adults regularly worry about their appearance, 70%. And because of that, 15% experience suicidal thoughts based off of their image. Nobody should ever take their life because they feel like their image is worthless not when we have a God who in Genesis said he created man and woman in his image That should never be the case and I hate the enemy's guts for attacking y'all like that that's a lie of the devil but the problem with all this is is that in the process what we've learned to do is adjust our appearance We've taken filters and editing features, and we've used them not just on social media, but on our actual lives. I would dare say that the majority of us came in here tonight with an adjusted appearance. We've made everything on the outside pretty and full of leaves. We've made everything on the outside looks like it's blooming and in season, but on the inside, that's where our depression is that we keep hidden. On the inside, that's where that inadequacy wells up that I'm not enough and I'll never be enough. On the inside, that's where we have those scars from past abuse that we had no control over. On the inside, that's where that anxiety is attacking you on a daily basis. Basis that maybe even tonight, while you were sitting in the parking lot, tried to prevent you from walking into this place. On the inside is that loneliness that you're battling time and time again. The enemy whispering lies into your mind, telling you that you're nothing, that you're nobody, nobody cares, nobody would miss you, even if you were gone. On the inside are all those failures, all those mistakes, all those mess ups that we've had all throughout the course of our lives, but on the outside, everything is great. It's almost as if none of those things even exist. But listen to me. Jesus combs through the branches. He knows exactly what lies underneath the appearance every single one of us in this place are putting off. 1 Samuel sixteen seven says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So you may have everyone else in here seeing the filters. You may have everyone else in here seeing the edits. But Jesus sees the original Content. It's amazing to me how we are so full of filters and edits that now on social media when somebody makes a post There'll be a little caption underneath it where you can choose the option to list it as being original audio Or we think we have to have a hashtag when we post something on our message that says hashtag unfiltered Hashtag unedited. Why? Because we're so full of adjusted appearances Jesus sees the original. He sees that depression. He sees that inadequacy He sees that insufficiency. He sees those scars, that anxiety, that loneliness, those failures. And listen, whatever it is that you're covering up in your life, Jesus doesn't uncover it for you to be ashamed. He uncovers it for you to be assured. Assured of His grace and His love and His mercy and His forgiveness that reaches out to you regardless of what it is you're trying to cover up. So what appearance are you giving off tonight? What would Jesus' assessment of your appearance reveal? What would he find? Would he find someone that's artificial, or would he find someone that's authentic? Would he find an appearance that's adjusted? Or would he find an appearance that's raw and original? Listen, I'm so tired of, especially in the house of God, it's supposed to be a house for broken people. Stop trying to put yourself together before you walk in here. Come in here broken. Come in here messed up. I'm sorry. Let let your failures, let your mistakes, let that stuff hang out. Stop trying to cover it up. Stop trying to conceal it. If Jesus can, despising public shame, allow himself to be hung on a cross, then can we not come in here and expose our broken lives to him as if he doesn't already see it? Open up your appearance. Let Jesus assess it. The second thing we see him do and the second thing we see him teach is he's not just assessing appearance, but he's also addressing attachment. So if you look in verse 20, if we skip a few verses, we didn't get this at the beginning. So listen to this. Afterwards, Jesus kind of picks up on the story a day later. It says, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus answered him, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. So the next day, as Jesus and his disciples pass by the same tree, they see that it's withered up. And we're told that Peter calls attention to the fact that this has happened. I love Peter. He, out of all the disciples, is probably my favorite for various reasons. But he was like Captain Obvious of the disciples. I mean, he would state the obvious when nobody else would. you have somebody like that in your life? Any of you have any Captain Obviouses in your life? And I'm not asking you to punch the person sitting beside you to let them know that they're that person in your life, but I've got some people that are just obvious in my life. They just state the obvious time and time again. and It used to somewhat get on my nerves from time to time because I'm like, yeah. Thank you. Tell me something I don't know, but you know, I'm learning to be thankful for the obvious people in my life, because if the obvious isn't spoken out, it can easily be skirted around. Anyway, the text gives us a detail that we can't afford to miss concerning the state of this tree. It says that they saw the fig tree was withered away to its roots. Now, I normally use the ESV version, but I like the way the New Living Translation writes this out, it says that it had withered from the roots up. When Jesus first encountered this tree, it only lacked fruit, and because of that, Jesus cursed it. So on the next day, as they're passing by, it has withered, and the cause for the lack of fruit is now revealed. So in case you're wondering, why did everything look so good, but there was no fruit? Well, after Jesus curses the tree, it actually reveals to us the cause for why there was no fruit. The issue was with the roots. So listen to me. The root cause can always be traced back to the root connection. And you can apply that directly to your own life. The root cause can always be traced back to the root connection. We had two massive oak trees in our yard when we first moved into our house some eight years ago. And they were beautiful when we first got there. I mean, they were massive. One of them had to have been at least like 100 foot tall. And they shaded the front side of our house because of the way the sun sets. They were in a perfect position to cast shade over our house. They were just these beautiful, massive oak trees. But over time, I began to notice that they never produced any acorns, ever. And all the time that we had been there. And then as time continued to pass on, limbs started to fall off. Now, I'm not talking about like when it was storm, we would have limbs fall off. I'm talking about just like randomly you're walking around in the yard, and it got to the point where you're like, if you walked out the front door to the car, you had to be like this the whole time. Because it was constantly shedding limbs. And then it just got progressively worse. I walked out one day and there was this huge mess around the tree in the front yard. And our yard isn't huge. And so like half the yard was covered up in just junk. And I realized like a third of the bark had fallen off the side of the tree and into the yard. And what I found out later on that we didn't know when we first moved in was that lightning had struck the the tree. But listen, it had killed the root. And so as a result, there were never any acorns. Sure, it would have some leaves from time to time. It looked good on the outside, but the lightning had ran internally all the way down to the root and killed it, and the tree was dying from the root up. God's Word says that the tree had withered from its roots up. Jesus, in this moment, was teaching his disciples and us that a lack of fruit always points to an attachment issue. It directly correlates to what you have yourself rooted to. And so as a believer, if your life is lacking in spiritual gospel fruitfulness, I can assure you that it's because of an attachment issue. John 15, 5, Jesus says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, if there's a problem with your fruit, there's a problem with your root. You may have yourself rooted to the wrong things. Some of you may have yourself rooted in status. Some of you may have yourself rooted in popularity. Some of you may have yourself rooted in academics or athletics or in a relationship or in a career. But listen, in the midst of all this, once again, there's a good part. Jesus tells them to have faith in God. So after they walk by and they see the tree has withered away, Peter points out the obvious Jesus says, have faith in God, which kind of seems like an odd response in the midst of that situation. But he's encouraging them to stay rooted in him. Basically, Jesus' words, his disciples were this. If you don't want to end up like this tree, then stay rooted in your faith and in your relationship with me. We are to be attached to Jesus. John 15, 4 and 5 says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree. "...planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers." Colossians 2, 6 and 7, "...therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving." And check this out. It's a two-sided benefit. Staying attached to Jesus is a two-sided benefit. Being rooted to him causes me to not just bear fruit, but it also enables me to weather the storms. So, if I lose my job, I'm still standing. Why? Because I wasn't rooted to my career. If I lose my health, I'm still standing. Why? Because I wasn't rooted to my health. If I lose relationships throughout the course of my life, I'm still standing because I wasn't rooted to people. If I fail an exam, God forbid you fail one exam, you can still be standing if you stay rooted to Jesus and not results. What are you attached to? Jesus is addressing attachment as he looks at this tree and he's telling his disciples, Hey, if you don't want to be like this, stay attached to me. What are you attached to right now? Let me say this. Who are you attached to right now? One last lesson Jesus teaches. So he's assessed the appearance. He's addressed the attachment. And now he teaches on appeasing the appetite. So we've got to go backwards a little bit. In verse 12. And it says that on the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And what may not be as noticeable out front is Jesus teaching what he really hungered for. He was hungry, yes, physically, but more so metaphorically to show that what he really hungered for was something more than figs. Jesus hungered to find true worship. Jesus hungered to find true prayer. Jesus hungered to find true righteousness amongst his people. This is the kind of fruit that would truly appease or satisfy his appetite. Not the figs, but looking amongst his people and seeing true worship, true prayer, true righteousness, true holiness. And it's the same kind of fruit that he still hungers to find in our lives today as believers. Jesus hungers for you to worship him. Jesus hungers for you to talk to and communicate with Him. Jesus hungers for you to live for Him on a daily basis. Jesus hungers for you to know Him on an intimate level that you never have before. My question is, would His appetite be appeased by finding these things in your life? If you were the tree that Jesus walked up to, would He find the fruit of worship in your life? If you were the tree that Jesus walked up to, would He find the fruit of prayer in your life? If you were the tree that Jesus walked up to, would he find the fruits of righteousness and holy living to appease his appetite with in your life? Because at the same time, he's teaching his disciples to also hunger for the same things that he hungered for. Have you you ever been overwhelmed By a craving for something in particular. Isn't it funny how cravings can just like come out of nowhere at any given moment? I'll give you an example. Like, I got freight trained the other day by this craving for a sonic foot long chili cheese hot dog. (laughs) And I have no idea why that particular thing just overwhelmed me. But it did. And I had to have it. Like I I wasn't. I didn't drive by Sonic or anything like that. I was sitting in my office here at church. In the middle of studying. And and all of a sudden I was like. Chili cheese dog. I Gotta have it. Like I gotta make that happen. I have to have that in my life. I was overwhelmed by that craving. Listen as men and women of God. We should crave and hunger for the things of God. With the same kind of intensity. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Jesus speaking to the people and teaching them a lesson says, blessed are those who what? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We should crave the things of God in our life. If we call ourselves believers, we should hunger and thirst for righteousness, not legalism and ritual." Hunger and thirst, a desire to press into the things of God and have them fill our lives. I've been praying here lately, God, make us hungry once again. Make your people hungry once again. Make us hungry for worship. Make us hungry for prayer. Make us hungry for holiness. Make us hungry for the gospel. Make us hungry again for service. Make us hungry for souls. Make us hungry for your word. Make us hungry for your ways. Make us hungry for revival once again. And for us as a people of God to stop having our appetites be left unfulfilled and unsatisfied because we keep seeking to fulfill them from the things that God never designed to fill you up with. In the book of Jeremiah, he prophesies the people of God. And God says, I don't understand why you, my people, have fountains of living water readily available for you to come and take in. Yet you keep going back to these nasty mud holes to drink out of. What are you appeasing your appetite with? Can Jesus have his appetite appeased by your life? And what are you allowing your appetite to appease by? May our lives never be nothing but leaves that just give off an appearance with no attachment to Jesus and with no appetite for Jesus got to be more than just leaves Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, College and Young Adult Pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.